The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Falco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing this week uh, heading into the high octane on the 14th? Yeah, you know, just again, just continuing to stay busy. You know, three shows this month, you know, came off, uh, you know, a successful show on October 1st, back to the 14th. We got the Halloween show. Uh, we've locked in the 19th for uh, the luck of the draw, and we're just trying to get everything in place over the next couple of shows to set up for our big, big show. You know, that's one of our biggest shows of the year. And, uh, you know, this week on the 14th, you're going to see some uh, some names throw uh, some some people throw their names in the hat for the Rumble. Some that you might be surprised. Oh, wow. Ah, that's that's kind of interesting. Um, well, this could be this could be one of the most loaded rumbles in the history of FSW rumbles. Uh, any thoughts of expanding it to forty? No, no, you know that definitely not because now you're taking even more matches away. Because right, I, I book, try to book the show based on the rumble counting as three matches. Right. And the winner of the Rumble wrestles the champ. So we're at four matches already. So that only gives us freedom for, say, three or four more matches. Well, we got two that's counting as four. So that would mean six is going to be the number. Yeah. And, you know, as we discussed, the women's, the Nevada State, the No Limits, and a feud and the tag team is five matches so one of those will not be on the show yeah you know and there's two or three feuds that aren't for the titles that could be a match maybe they'll be in the rumble you know we're still figuring you know it all out by moving the date to the 19th we opened up uh, the women's match because on the 26th it was looking like it couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. So the 19th being a date that seemed to be where we can get almost everybody and the one main guy that we wanted on that show seems like the 19th is a good date because of his circumstances. But we don't know yet. You know, circumstances when you're dealing with guys that are major league guys who have priorities to the main companies, if they're needed, we've seen they're easily taken away. So 
cross our fingers and just hope the majority of guys we want. Uh, I can say that Carlito will not be in this year's run. <laughs> uh, I, I I suppose. I mean, uh, unless you got some really good uh, really good connections that uh, we don't know about now. Well, yeah, no, WWE does not allow, unless it's Booker T, some of their talent to appear. Right. But, uh, no, hey, we're trying to work deals. Uh, you know, Ricochet was down there the other day. I right. talked to the Zoe a couple days ago. So you never know who's going to be in town and show up Saturday. Yeah. Um, what, uh, have you figured out, uh, what matches are going to be happening for the, uh, three title defenses? Yeah. Action Braxton's going to defend against Dante King. Uh, Viva Van is going to defend against Alice Blair and Gypsy Mac. Uh, Maserati and Rochelle Riveter will both be on hand. Uh, ice, it is undecided at this moment. Uh, that'll happen at the show. Uh, we got tag team match, greatness and tenacious against the Po boys, which is Jimmy Jack and chase bell yep. who viewed a couple weeks back. So, uh, we have, a, a, I guess you could call it a future shock battle. We got Demir morning star with, uh, the mastermind. He's going to be taking on Oliver Canada. So it'll be interesting to see the two youngsters, uh, unless it goes to a draw, th this would be the first win for either one of them. So, yeah. you know, we'll support the uh, the young talent. Shogun is going to be take on Leo Canedo, uh, you know, top young talent out of yeah. San Diego that Tito Escondido and Jordan Cruz have been training. So, you know, we're looking forward to that. And, you know, we also got – uh, Danny Limelight was going to take on Fox Valentine, who came off the upset win of Damian Drake, but he got his dates confused, and somehow he got booked, I believe, in North Dakota that somebody's flying him in. Wow. And, and it's like, wow. So our other uh, rising youngster, RBJ, has decided to uh, slide into that spot. Also, Hero Lou will be on hand, uh, fresh off his victory. Against Shogun. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, that's a, there's a lot going on. That Absolutely. Um, when you, when you look at, when you're creating, when you're creating a story, story arcs going into uh, something that involves a, a battle royal, like you have coming up, does that um, do these matches leading up over you know the the course of the two or three shows? Um, does that really kind of feed into some of the stuff that happens in the actual rumble? So it gives the rumble itself some story uh, instead of just random you know guys taking on each other. Uh, is that how you look at it as uh, a booker? Yeah, you know, you, you, the most successful is is the WWE, the Royal Rumble. 
uh, you know, tried and true. And we try to incorporate our own way of doing it, but it makes the most sense. It, you know, it's not a battle royal. It, it's so much more by right. having the intervals and there's the anticipation and who's starting in the beginning. That's a favorite. And it's like, wow, can he always make, can he make it to the end? And we've had some situations where guys started at one and, and went really far. And, you know, there have been some great moments that didn't involve storyline per se, right. but by doing the match and putting people in those situations, it built to future storylines. Right. So when all of a sudden there was two guys that seemingly were random and maybe he started at one and another guy started at four and all of a sudden we're down to 26 and these two guys are still in it and you're paying attention and then something happens at the end, you know, it, it, it usually would lead to something down the line. And, and that's the whole setup. You know, we, we've had good stories built off trying to start new stories by doing it at the Rumble. Right. Um, how, you know, it's it's like you said, WWE tried and, uh, tried and true. Um, it's It's been going for, you know, 30 plus years. Um, for you, how do you... How do you keep it fresh for the fans? I mean, what is the what is the formula so that you're not repeating the same process every year? Um, is it just a matter of mixing up, you know, the talent, um, you know, creating new moments and storylines uh, that you know fans either have not seen yet or are anticipating and seeing i mean what what keeps it fresh so that the fans never lose the interest in seeing this every year well the bottom line is it's it's, it's having the talent now all of a sudden last year we had carlito and masters in the rumble well those are two big guns you know and guys that were champions And, and Santana Jackson and the tried and true. We hadn't seen Graves in a long time. And Toa, who now became an AEW star. Right. You know, all, all these things play into what we're doing. Uh, Matt Vandegriff, you know, going all the way. So it's fresh. Because there's different matchups. Like, who would have thought that the most fun moment was going to be between Santana Jackson and Carlito? Yeah. And that wasn't planned by me, but Carlito had worked with Santana in California or something and, and grew a liking to him and said, hey, I got an idea. I'd like to do, yeah, whatever you want to do, no problem. And he did the whole back and forth. And with masters and things like that. And that wasn't the segment that you would have thought in the Rumble that was going to be the biggest comedy segment of the show. Right. But it was. And, you know, honestly, 
we had a plan going in and it all changed. So Matt Vandergriff wasn't the original plan to win the Rumble. As of me walking into the Silver Nugget four hours, three hours before the show, there was a plan in place for somebody else to win the Rumble. Right. And then politics took over and shit had to be changed. And I had pitched somebody else. And uh, didn't feel working that second match would be a benefit. Yeah. And, you know, we had to go back to the drawing board and we told the story of Vandegrift, who I believe wrestled three times that night. He did, yep. So he won the Rumble, but he also wrestled in another match. And yeah, I couldn't uh, tell you. I don't believe he was the no limit. Was he the no limits champion at the time? Yeah, I believe he was. And or yeah, no, I think he was because he won that match. Right. I think it was Jordan Oasis might have been in it. Possibly. Yeah. It's only been a year, Joe. It's only been a year, and that's how it's. You know how much has happened in the last year for me to remember anything? (laughs) You know, I'm starting to not remember last week. Oh, man. Well, you know, we we did probably do 30 shows in the last year. So. Well, let's just assume it was Matt Vandegraaff versus Jay Vidal. That's the easiest. Oh, there. It was was it Jay Vidal? It could have very well been, to be honest. No, I don't think so. Yeah, but maybe. Because that could. Nah, I don't no, I don't think it was. I'm thinking Jordan Oasis for some reason. Yeah, that yeah, could have been. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, it was. But it was definitely a um, a redirection that you know. I don't think the the fans uh, really anticipated either. So it was a a bigger surprise, I think, that Matt won um, than what probably the fans anticipated. Yeah, a lot of people got behind Matt Vandegrift in that match because, you know, that was a, a big moment. And... You know, a lot of people thought Ice Williams, that was going to be where his crowning achievement was going to be. Right. And that kind of swerved some people. And it ended up taking Ice, you know, that was November. So he ended up getting the shot at no escape because Ice had just come off a title match at the bigger show before, which may have been Survival of the Fittest or something like that. I'm not even sure which one, but it was the casino show before. could have been Anniversary, but many people thought Ice was going <clears> to <throat> become the champion there. Right. So you got to – you, you want to spruce it up. You want to keep it fresh. 
you know, you're always looking to keep people on the edge of the seat because when anybody can figure out what's going to happen, it, it's as if you do know what's going to happen. So, you know, as I stated with, well, the show happens on Fight Plus Live. Oh, wait, now we're going to put the casino show on a week later where everybody's posted everything about the show. Our numbers are going to be close to half of what they were because it was like, oh, you know, I saw clips. I saw this. I saw that. Yeah, whatever. Who, You know, who cares? Right. And at that point, you lose out. So you got you got to keep it fresh. And you're going to see a lot of the familiar faces. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Problem is, here we go. I found I found the card from 2022, but all it had was uh, Aviva versus Maz, Xander versus Bugatti, and it said No Limits champion Matt Vandegrift. So it didn't even say who he was wrestling on that show. So I still got to search while I'm talking. And that that also. That sounds wasn't that the uh, that was the no escape wasn't it? Because that was Maz in, in uh, Van in the cage and then Bugatti and Xander in the cage. Uh, I guess we came back with it because I'm looking against wow. all about Sunday, November twentieth, two thousand twenty-two. Viva versus Maz. Hmm. That's right. That was when uh, Maz got disqualified. She had Viva pinned. Uh, Viva had her leg on the bottom rope and Moss right. snapped and beat up the referee. Right. So, yes, I do remember that. Yeah. That's... See, if, if I get I get ideas, I, I can remember. <laughs> but, yeah, I, for whatever reason it is, I see Oasis. He could have been in the Rumble, but I think that's what it was, so. But hey, I also keep track in different spots when I print up the card. Sure. So if I have, I got no escape, 21, 22. Nah, for some reason, I don't have the card for against all of <laughs> I got Mecca. Yeah. Sometimes you forget to save it when you type over it on the next one. You try to save it. Yeah. But yeah, before the end of the show, I'll figure out who uh, Matt Vandegrift worked. Uh, we, we could probably just text Matt and get an answer way quicker. But you know, uh, what is that other one? Cagematch.com or something that has all the results? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're usually in there, so, uh, you know, let's see. FSW, Future Stars are Wrestling. There it is. Events. Let's go. We're getting there. 22 against all odds. All right. Bugatti double count out. Matt Vandergriff defeated Funny Bone and Oasis in a triple threat match. Wow. There you go. 
it, it just goes to show that neither of us even thought of Funny Bone. Yeah, I forgot about that. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, so triple duty from Matt Vandegrift. He was definitely the MVP. And, and that kind of really shined a light on him at that show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is, is that something that uh, you feel that you've done well with that concept with the the rumble of being able to use that to shine a particular light on someone who is you know in that position to either at least get that first opportunity or you know is ready to uh to potentially take the uh the top uh, championship yeah, I think we've done some really good things on it. Uh, Shogun winning the Rumble, the newly formed heel stable with Graves and Hammerstone, and, you know, tag team champions. Hammer's the Nevada State champion at that time. They lay out Shogun. Graves gets the match. He becomes the heavyweight champion, and that was really putting the lights on Hammerstone and Graves right. you know, from the show before when they got involved with Rikishi and Sefa and they won the tag titles for the first time by cashing in a case that Graves won. And that was basically the culmination of, of everything there. You know, there was Chris Bay winning the Rumble coming up short. You know, many people, oh, that was Chris Bay's coming out time. No, he had to win the second time and then finally vanquished, you know, Hammerstone from winning the belt. And we shocked the world by having John Morrison unadvertised, not doing anything on the show. And I believe Taya was on that show. Right. So I was able to set up a deal because that led to Hammerstone versus Morrison as the main event at No Escape in the Steel Cage because Hammerstone laid out Taya at a Beers and Body Slams, had a message for John. That was the message. And out of nowhere, John came out and cost Hammerstone the heavyweight title again for Chris Bay. So it, it, it was always something leading into something. As I like to say, it's always something. Yeah. And it, it's like, oh, my God, John Morrison's fucking here. That's crazy. And, you know, we were able to make it work. You know, I'm able to sit down, conversate. You know, people think it's easy. You know, my kid, oh, I, I can do a show. Yeah, you can do a show. You you could probably book the matches, which you, you, you've done, but you're just booking matches. I have to try to book things that make sense, and there's a three-month build and a six-month build and what we're doing and hoping that the fans give a shit. Right. You know, I can't book – not every everything I book is conducive with like the fans caring. You got you got to have people, wrestlers, male, female, that people want to invest in. You know, right. if you don't invest in it and it's just a wrestling match, then really, what is it? And you know, that's a lot of times the issues with say AEW where they feel there's, it's not really storyline-driven, while the pure wrestling fans who watch WWE 
feel that it's cookie cutter wrestling with good stories. And, right. you know, that's the big fight on the internet is, oh, you're an idiot. You like AEW. Oh, fuck you. You're a moron. You like WWE. And it's like, there's different styles of wrestling. Ring of Honor became viable because it was more of a pure wrestling product and it was an alternative. That's why it's called an alternative. You don't have to love WWE. You know, there's so many facets of it you don't like. And it was like when they put the bloodline storyline together, it was like, wow, this is great. We know they're capable of it. But there will also be times like, what the fuck is this shit? And... You know, as a wrestling fan, you're going to, it's the good and the bad. You're going to watch either way, WWF, WCW, you know, when they were in their prime going head to head, you know, I'd watch both. However you had to do it, whether it was the TiVo or you switch back and forth, or sometimes you'd get lucky because at that time, TBS or TNT, whatever was on, would have the, uh, the, the East Coast feed because they they had they they would air it back to back, so right. you could watch it if you had Direct TV. You could watch Raw early, whatever it was. They had to keep you on the edge of your seat. You had to buy into what was going on, and in those days, you know, WCW would lose with a five point two rating. Now WWE has a great rating and it's two point five. Right. So the days of The Rock and Austin and Goldberg and Hulk and the NWO, you know, the combined rating used to be like 10 or 11. And, you know, now the big thing was, hey, NXT and AEW and NXT loaded it up with anybody they could with Cena and Undertaker and all this. They got 900,000 views. As bad as Raw was view-wise on Monday, they still got a million and a half. But a million and a half back in the day, they they would have been bankrupt by then because they were doing six, seven million viewers and still losing the WCW with the when Goldberg and the NWO was hot. Yeah, but you know, but that that begs. The question that, uh, or the the thing that AEW fans like to point to sometimes is, well, we might not have a million, but that's television numbers. Those are obscure uh, streamings where it's at, the streaming numbers. Well, it works both ways. If you count the streaming, you have to count the streaming for the WWE as well. So I think that as much as there's not as a straightforward impact, really, I think the ratings more so affects nowadays um, the lure of the advertiser more so than the lure of the viewer because the viewers can yeah, check if it. If you're out. an advertiser, you're not getting any views when they air, and when people watch 2.7 million views on YouTube. Right. Your commercial's not being seen. Right. So when it becomes to the advertisers, the ratings are still important. But but that's what I'm saying is that I think it's more for the it's more for the overall television deals than the competition between the companies because it's really not a competition essentially you're competing against yourself for advertising money that's it that's what you're really trying to do and I think that this 
this whole idea of the Monday Night Wars, I always found fairly silly because it wasn't about the ratings. It was about taking sides, being tribal and being like the other side sucks. And that's what they're trying to do now with, you know, this this created tension. Um, I just I don't I don't buy into it, it being something that is, you know, so what? So they did under a million, but it, they did under a million. AEW did under 700,000. Well, and it's also WWE's third number three show three versus show. Right. WWE's number one show. Um, Tony Khan, you know, put out a tweet today saying Cena and, and Undertaker have never been on a WWE show that was under a million. And it's like, yeah, but Edge has never been on a, a wrestling show that was under 700,000 viewers. So, you know, it's it's ridiculous to be pointing, you know, these fingers at each other when, in in all honesty, um, the reason I, I think the reason that that card was stacked for NXT is because they know the television deal is coming up next year. Nick Khan is trying to get them in the best position to get one of the highest packages they could get for Raw and NXT. I, honestly, I don't think it was that. I think it was more petty than that. And it was the fact that AEW, because of the, the, the playoffs, moved it to Tuesday. And NXT did not want their Tuesday show to get beat by AEW. You know, in the past, it was like, oh, you know, AEW beats NXT. It's like, well, they're beating the WWE minor leagues. They're not beating the, the main roster. So now you're going to step into NXT ground on Tuesday. And regardless of what the ratings mean or don't mean, it meant a lot to Eric Bischoff and it meant a lot to Vince McMahon. So for six months, everybody said WWF was the better show, but it took a while for them to catch him in the ratings. But that was the only thing of importance to WWF management and WCW management, right, wrong, or indifferent. And the fact of the matter is that WCW got to the numbers they got was insane. And no matter what Tony Khan may say, I believe, you know, personal opinion, throw it out the window, whatever, that Tony Khan felt that with all the money he had, he was going to be just like WCW, but he was going to do it better, and they were going to overtake WWE because they were going to bring in the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and they were going to poach all these guys that WWE fans said were overlooked, misused, like Rusev and Aleister Black and all these guys, and bringing in the Hardys that – I legitimately believe Tony Khan thought he was going to come in and overtake WWE because he had the money to do it. That's what I believe. That's not a a far off theory. I I think that's very legit. You know, and I think the Cody Rhodes and, and the Bucks and the Omegas initially saw a guy with a ton of money and was going to go out there because we saw it with the, the all-in or whatever the very first one was because Ring of Honor was the one who allowed it to happen and right. then backdoored. 
you know, it was like that was their show, the first one. Yep. And it was all their production and all their people. And again, business is business. It's the wrestling business. And they turned what they were doing. And now Kenny Omega is seen on national TV in the United States. You don't know what WWE would have done with him. Look right. what they did with guys like Adam Cole, who many consider one of the best, that he was just stuck in NXT and didn't do anything. Wow, he was the NXT superstar. As you said, on a show that couldn't get a million viewers. Right. Was, was he a draw? You know, AEW for sure surpassed Impact, but they had the money to do it, and they were on a, a, a big network compared that to that actually everybody could access. Right. No, you know, no pun intended. TV wasn't getting it done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's. It's a very interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting point. Um, when it comes to impact in AEW, um, because of the fact that you know they had that little uh, interaction, a little you know swap off in which you know AEW uh, got the better of of impact. Um, but if you look at the products now, um, you know M impact actually drew. A bigger crowd, you know, to their uh, anniversary show, um, and AEW's having troubles getting people to their television weekly. Well, AEW is running twice a week, and they're running eight shows. Impact has one big show every two or three months. They generally are only in thousand seaters. They're in Samstown and don't sell that out. So. Sure. You know, oh, AEW, they, they only sold 8,000 last year. They sold 11. But they're still selling 8,000 tickets. Now, sometimes the problem is, as it is in any wrestling company, when you're in an 11,000-seat arena and they're showing uh, Big Cass and Ricky Starks in front of 2,000 people, well, yeah, it's a 12,000-seater. Right. And then all of a sudden, Impact has 1,500 people in a 2,000-seater, oh, it's packed. Or FSW runs at the arena, and we have 150 people, and it's packed. And then we did the Silver Nugget, and there was 250 people there, and it was like, wow, what the fuck? There was nobody here. It was empty. Right. Well, because it, you, you've seen it with six, 700, 500 people. So 250 – Wow, that looks like there's nobody there. When we do FSW GCW and draw, oh, my God, it's slammed. No, it isn't. It's slammed for the venue that holds 240, and we squeeze 270 into the place. Right. Now, if we did that show with the Nugget and 270 were there, like we did with FSW versus Wrestling Revolver, where it was like, wow, yeah, you know, everybody was at Rampage. There was always excuses, whatever. Well, there's four other things going on show-wise. The bottom line is, how did the show do based on the budget it had? The perception is what wrestling fans believe. And 
you know, I'm picky on that. It's like, hey, we have an opening video, and, and why are we so showing Sharp throwing in a Remy Marcel into a bunch of empty chairs? It's like it looks like fucking shit. Right. And it could be because there wasn't as many people there, or it could be people cleared out because they were fighting in that area. But either way, when you look at stuff, I go on Fight Plus once in a while, check out some things that I hadn't seen. Like I watched House of Glory one time, and they stacked the card. And all of a sudden I looked, and I was like, wow, the place looks a little smaller than the Nugget, and it, it was like the show we did where there was only a couple hundred people there. And it was like, wow, my perception was House of Glory is having five, six, seven hundred people there. Yeah. So to bash AEW is kind of ridiculous, you know, in that terms. Like, I don't agree with everything they do. But WWE, up until their last run, they were always having issues and, and tarping off the entire top MGM brand and they had to move the money in the bank from Allegiant because they couldn't sell 10,000 tickets. Well, right. if they kept it there, it would have been what a fucking embarrassment. So instead, they bring it to the MGM, tarp off the top or whatever, and now it's 90% full for the tickets they put out, and it's like, what a great move. Yeah, it is a great move. You saved yourself a lot of money. And it didn't look like shit with nobody there. Right. You had 10, 12,000 people there. Like, notoriously, Vegas hasn't been the best market for wrestling in terms yeah. of big numbers. Right, right. I used to work with The Godfather, and he would talk about back in those days, the way you got paid was you got your downside guarantee, you got your money if you were lucky enough in most cases to have a shirt in the venue because they didn't have the WWE shop and right. he made more money at times in the, because of the having his shirts in the venue than he did on his downside guarantee. But the other thing was you would get paid based on the gates of the local markets and WWE at the time back then would usually run four days a week TV. So they were running five, six days a week at times. And now they barely run the live events. Like they got one coming up in December. And when they've done that in Vegas, I remember them doing a Thomas and Mac, 2000 people didn't show up. Yeah. So unless it's TV or pay-per-view, so they would make no fucking money. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. Um, do you uh, do you look at uh, you know the the a lot of times you know fans get involved in the the pettiness of everything or you know wanting you know one company to outdo the other company etc. Um, but how can you explain it to a fan the necessity of having as many viable options? for the performers to have that opportunity to make a living doing uh you know being a professional wrestler how how can you how can you as an independent promoter convey that point across is it just you know fans having to come out to shows and meet the guys and understand you know 
these guys are just as human as anyone else and they have families and that, you know, you know, that you can see them from the beginning and get to know them a little bit and then, you know, watch them on TV. Um, how, how do you, how do you get people to realize that there's more to it than just, you know, Oh, this company sucks. Well, number one, you can't make a fan figure out anything. Their, their minds are already set. Sure. They don't give a, this is their guy. They love him. Blah, blah, blah. This guy sucks. This company sucks. This is that. Oh, I watched it. I didn't like it. It's garbage. Social media has given people a platform to where in the past, the only people you could yap at are the people around you because you're just a fan. So you're not having a podcast because now anybody can have a podcast. But back right. in the day, that, that platform, now you can go on Twitter and Chris Jericho could post something. And now you can blast him, call him garbage. He's out of shape. He needs to retire. Why do he waste his time to go to AEW? And it isn't people who are followers of this person who has 80 followers. It's him tagging Chris Jericho. And 100,000 people see the Chris Jericho post. So if they scroll down, they see this idiot's post. So now he's got thousands of people who he's interacting with that are calling him an idiot. Right. So now he has, in his own mind, the delusional clout because people are responding. Oh, yeah, Kevin Nash, he fucking blocked me, and this person blocked me. Well, yeah, because you're probably talking stupid shit, and, and you know, you... Usually, if you're making a point, nobody's blocking you because you're you're backing it up with facts. Most people are disrespectful, doing things, you know, that's why I went crazy the other day. I'm on Facebook, and it's like, suggestions for you. And they give me some random wrestling fucking spot on Facebook. And this guy just continually just trashes everything. And it's like, I got to exit out. It's like, why is this being suggested for me? Why do I got to scroll down and see it? And all they do is bitch and complain about everything. Right. It's like, I don't even want to see it. I'm not following him. I'm not subscribed to this wrestling fucking Facebook post guy. But I'm still seeing it. Why? As an individual, if you're not friends with me, you're not seeing my post. You're not randomly seeing a Joe DeFalco post, but I'm randomly seeing, oh, we love wrestling post. Why? Because I post a lot of wrestling. So Facebook decides I want to see every moronic fucking post in the world. Yeah. Time I got to exit. It's like, wow, I, I, I learned. Yeah. Oh, wow. You can exit out and they'll, that, that, that won't pop up again. Because they now think they have a voice. They think they're going to change something. You know, 
they're going to blast whoever. And it isn't just wrestling when it comes to politics, the Trumps and the anti-Trumps. That's all it is anymore. It isn't Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever. Nobody gives a fuck. It's a, I hate Trump. I love Trump. Great. You're a piece of shit. How can you fucking like that guy? Oh, you're a piece of shit. How can you like the other guy? It's like, how about I have an opinion and I like who I like. And just because you don't like them, I got to get lambasted because I don't see the facts. And everybody smudges the facts. Why? Because it's not black and white and it's a gray area. And everybody has this and everybody has that. And it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, Biden wants to continue building a wall now after everything. It's like everybody's going to say what they think everybody else wants to hear them say, or at least the majority, or at least 51% of them, because that's how you win. A vote by getting more than 50%. So everybody's got to do what they got to do. It's all bullshit. It's all politics. Even non-politics is politics. Right. You know, wrestling business, politics. You hear it in the boxing business. Hollywood. It's all fucking politics. You got to play the game. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. Um, you know, uh, when you look at uh, the... Uh, the Halloween show coming up, you know, um, is there uh, any politics being played uh, for people to get into the uh, the battle uh, royal this year? Oh, of course. There, there's younger there's younger students who've been training a decent amount of time that are hoping that this could be their first opportunity, you know, and they're sending pictures on the student page of who they're looking to be and. Like, wow, if this person who who does some makeup stuff, so I'm pretty sure she can get the look down. It's like, okay, well, th- that's an interesting idea. Now maybe we just need to spend the next two weeks making sure she can go over the top rope. Right. You know what I mean? Because we don't right. want anybody to get hurt. We it's a fun time. You know, it's it's a fun show. Fans dress up. You know, I see it on our fan page. We talk about the Halloween show. And people are talking about who they want to dress up as. And, you know, Heather dressing up as Remy Marcel. And then you got wrestlers dressing up as X, F, not even X. They dress up as a current FSW wrestler. So it's it's really a lot of fun between everything. Right. Um, are we going to see you make an appearance again this year? Uh, well, you know, I think it was done once and it was done miserably by spider. So, you know, I, you know, if he wants to embarrass himself again, that that's up to him. I think uh, the, uh, I think the, uh, the, the honest answer was that, um, a lot of the fans couldn't tell that that was not you is what the feedback was. Uh, I, I think people popped for it because it was different. And, uh, you know, I am a known figure there. So it's fun. You know, maybe it's the New York accent, OA, and, and things like that. Uh, if if you were actually in the uh, 
in that uh, rumble, uh, in that battle royal. Oh, I would have won in like ten seconds. So. <laughs> well, we know that. I would have demanded. The- I would have demanded everybody to eliminate themselves. <laughs> you got the pen, so of course. But you know. <laughs> but the question <laughs> is, who would you dress up as? Uh, back in the day when I'd have the hair, I would have said Mick Foley. Because <laughs> sure. I had the beard, the long hair. You know, I could go around and go bang, bang. <laughs> now with no hair, it doesn't really fit. But Mick Foley was the guy that people would say I resembled. Uh, and and was was that to you was that a compliment or was that a uh, like what are you talking about come on i'm way better looking than that dude oh well that's true but there was a slight resemblance you know uh um is have you outside of the uh, battle royal have you uh thought about any matches for that show yet or are you still uh well, yeah, we already got one for sure. The uh, Royce and Jarrell are going to defend the tag titles against the Billionaire Boys Club. Right. So that that's a set match. Uh, no funny bone this year, so I got to figure out, you know, got to have the yearly casket match. You know, in the past, we did a Beers and Body Slams. It was Cross against Bateman uh, was yeah. a match that we did in the casket match. And we did Funny Bone in uh, – I believe a breath of threat a couple years ago. We even did a tag team match, which may have been the whirlwind gentleman against the following. Sure. So the casket match, you know, if you have a casket and you don't bring it out on Halloween, then what's the sense of having a casket? Uh, Is, you know, is there, uh, is there anyone who uh, actually, you know, has ever, you know, come up to you and gone, hey, I want to participate in a casket match? Or is it something that, you know, guys, it just kind of comes about with, you know, guys either talking about it or you just kind of figuring, hey, this would make an interesting match? Of course, all the younger guys want to be in it. They want to be on the show, so... Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, when you think about where you're headed for the, uh, the Against All Odds show, which which is survival of the – wait, what is it now? It's luck of the draw. Luck of the draw. There we go. There we go. I, I keep forgetting that you uh, you can get uh, papers served to you by Impact Wrestling. Yeah, now. I just realized I got to ask Sin Bodhi. If Sin Bodhi's available, he's perfect for a casket match. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe maybe uh, Gangrel will be in town. Hey, there you go. That'd be a, a good casket match right there. Well, um, no doubt. Do you, th- do you think people would pay to see uh, Disco get put in a casket? Gangrel versus Demir Morningstar. That's a main event anywhere. Yeah. Um, when, when you're looking towards uh, now, uh, you know, putting everything together for luck of the draw, uh, is there 
is there anything that you are concerned about in terms of uh, potentially just having someone, you know, who you thought would be available, who isn't available, or does it look like everything is going to kind of pan out like you thought it would? Say that again. So, you know, in thinking about luck of the draw, are you worried that there are, you know, certain uh, people that you're looking at who might not be available? Or is it pretty much set now where you kind of know the availabilities and everything seems like it's going to be able to get, you know, moving forward with what you see in your mind? Well, you know, I just signed the three most important people for the show, John Trademark, RBJ, and Fox. It's their goal to be the sellers. So they're going to be there. So that's important. But, no, there, there is one major superstar. Uh, I guess I can say it. It's, it's Hammerstone. And yeah. the, the date might be a conflict. And that is – you know, one of the top two, you know, because I got to put Chris Bay in there. You know, right. Hammerstone and Chris Bay are the two current biggest FSW superstars. You know, right. I'm our champ. Jacob Austin is the Nevada State champion. But Hammerstone and, and Chris Bay are two guys that when they post, there's a lot of people watching and, and – so many more people have become aware of FSW. You know, same thing when Cross was here, but he's not here. So Hammerstone right. A, despite being in, in big companies, have continued to be having to be on our shows. So, you know, that's extremely important. And Hammerstone is still an integral part of everything that we're doing. And I have major plans for him. And November 19th is extremely important. I talked to him the other day. And he was kind of the reason we were leaning toward the 26th. Yeah. Was because he knew for sure he was good that day. The 19th might be a conflict. But he's having some issues about that date to where he thinks he's good for the date for us. So we're kind of in limbo in that. You know, it's right. easy to put, you know, I could put 35 guys in there easy. And sure, sure you're going to use your younger talent, you know. I can go out on a limb and say Jimmy Jack is going to be in the, in the battle, in the rumble. There's like no doubt Jimmy Jack's in the rumble. Sure. Okay. Guys that aren't champions, they – you know, guys that aren't involved in feuds, uh, a guy like Graves, I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the Rumble. Uh, I'm pretty sure numerous FSW guys on the rise, the younger guys, a Ricky Tenacious, you know, I can name those guys. I can, you know, I can look at a list and – out of the 30 guys, I'm pretty sure 15 are going to be guys that are occasionally on high octane and are on future shock because we're filling the roles. We're getting the, the younger guys an opportunity. A battle royal type match is, is perfect for them. 
But we also want to make sure, hey, we bring somebody back. Like last year, we hadn't used Grace for an extremely long time. And, hey, we brought Toa back. Uh, we were in talks. Unfortunately, the date doesn't work out. And, you know, we were talking about Juicy, who's a big fan favorite. And right. thought, hey, you know, this would be a good time. And he was a guy that basically won a rumble. Uh, you know, him and yeah. EC3. And that was the triple threat rumble match that may have been a little flat on the ending that I thought would come across a lot stronger. But, you know, it is what it is. You got to take chances. You got to do, you just can't do the basic things. There's so many times I've watched the Royal Rumble and it's like, well, Austin's winning. You're right. Okay, Austin wins. Shawn Michaels wins. Shawn Michaels wins. And then there's times where like, oh, shit, Drew McIntyre did win. Awesome. Because he was getting a push. But was he getting the push to take out a Brock Lesnar who's also in the match? And you never believe that until you see it. That's a special moment when he eliminates Brock Lesnar. Like, there was so many options to go last year. But it was like, it's going to be Cody Rhodes. It's going to be Cody Rhodes. And it was great that, you know, Gunther got to the final two. But if you could make a bet and get 50 to 1 odds, I, I'm pretty sure Gunther's family wouldn't even have bet on Gunther in that. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So it's yeah. it became second yeah. nature. It's like, okay, Cody's going to win. You know, there was a time with Orton and he's like, oh, Orton's going to win and Edge is going to win. And when I put together a rumble and I just throw names off the top of my head and you look at top FSW guys and you look at, Hey, Shogun and hero, you look at Chris Bay, you look at limelight, you look at Hammerstone, you look at big Fonz, you know, you look at a juicy, you look at guys that I might bring in for this. And you're like, Hey, man, Graves, former champ, a lot of former champs. Gregory Sharp, pretty sure he's going to be in the Rumble. He, he's got – he just came off something. Uh, Matt Vandegrift, Damian Drake, Matt won last year. Why couldn't Matt win again? Right. It, so many options that you could look – I like the fact – I want to be able to say, hey, look at these 15 guys, they have a shot. But realistically, you're probably looking at 8 to 10 that you think could win it. And yeah. then you think that you go on and win the heavyweight championship. And if by hook or by crook, RBJ won the Rumble, I'm pretty sure nobody in the building believes he's going to win. Right. So... It makes it a difficult process. You know, I remember a rumble we did. Uh, Cross was the champ. And a relative underdog, the, you know, the Vegas Originals, they were a good faction, Rush and Jason Partain. And we had Partain, I think they eliminated Kenny King on the way out. And it was a solid match. But... 
Cross was undefeated at the time, unbeatable. Jason Partain probably wasn't a top five guy in regards to, you know, who's a guy who can win this and right. then beat, beat Kevin Cross at the time. And, you know, we've had Hammerstone. We've had, you know, great matches and great opportunities for some people. But you always want to make it as realistic as possible, what people can buy into. You know, Shogun winning was a big, big spot. And then Graves taking him out and then beating Bay. You know, that was, that was a crazy time. Yeah. It was totally unexpected. So it, it's always trying to, you know, outdo yourself. And the problem becomes it's kind of easy to outdo yourself when you've done two or three of them. But now when you've done nine and 10 and 11, I don't know how many we've done. It's like, you know, you got to make it to where people are still like, Oh man, this is going to happen. Oh, cause every, everybody's their own booker. Right. Sure. You know, when I was 12 years old, Oh, they should have did this, 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 and this. Oh, I can't believe Bruno San Martino didn't have Stan Hansen win the belt when he broke his neck. But that's how they did it back then. Bruno San Martino was out for seven months and they didn't have a new champion. He broke right. the, ended up breaking the guy's neck. They couldn't have him win. So when Bruno came back, not only he got his revenge, but he got his title back. Like, I don't understand. You know, they could have had Stan Hansen kill everybody. And then Bruno makes the triumphant return. Sure. That's what happened yeah so you know i'm a fan first and foremost so when i see things that irritate me i get a little more pissed off about it because it's like nonchalant things that you see people do and it's like you know what 90 percent of the fan base may not have seen it but it's being fucking lazy you know right. You're in a 10-minute match. You know, it's Sunday. You're not wrestling again until next Friday. It's okay to put out a full effort. All right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, if it ain't for the fans, I got to build the card. Now, I build shows that I think are exciting. Now, the one thing I can't do is go out there and do the moves and and do the work it's your job to do the work if you have right. a shitty match there's nothing i can do it, you know it, it's like sports oh fire the manager he's a fucking bum well if the super bowl happens and pat mahomes throws three interceptions in the first half and now they're losing 17 to nothing nobody's like hey you need to put in chad henny because pat mahomes is a fucking bum Right. Now, yeah. if they lose and he threw five interceptions, are you going to blame Andy Reid, who's a great coach? Or are you going to be like, fuck, either Pat Mahomes uh, owed somebody a lot of money or he had a fucking game? Right. And what are you going to do? Are you going to blame somebody? And you can only go out there. And we've had shows where on paper, oh, this is a great show. And then matches just didn't click for whatever reason. And you'll still have two-thirds of the fans, at least half, be like, oh, 
Great show as always. Great show as always. Right. Because I'm nitpicking. I'm looking at the mistakes. Right. At the certain things that if Matt Vandergriff hits a super cool move or fucking Hammerstone kills the guy with the nightmare pendulum and Bodie hits a great 450, that's the way they're supposed to do it. Now, right. if in the middle of the match it's a giant clusterfuck and people are all over the place, and sometimes it's minor things that they get back to, but I'm going to be more critical than in the average fan. They're there to have a good time. If they have a good time, everything's great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have a show uh, from from the moment we got there at Survival of the Fittest. It was the week leading, the, the thing with the nugget. It was just, as people like to say, you know, bad juju. Yeah. That it wasn't like, okay, the show's happening now, and now everything's going to hit on all cylinders. It just seemed that there's always going to be that show, and that, to me, seemed that was the show. That was the shit show for us. And it isn't like, oh, my God, what a shitty show. All these matches suck. No, but there was far more bad things that happened than, I'm not going to say good things that happened, but things that, bad things that happened on other shows. Sure. You know, it was numerous things, timing on this, you know, flights getting in late. Whatever it was with the music, whatever it is with the production, whatever it was that we didn't get it aired live on fight, being aggravated leading into that. What do you mean you didn't get the poster? You didn't double check. Just so many things were fucking shitty and irritating. Right. Yeah. Probably made me go into the show an angry motherfucker. So now when little things happened, maybe because we're human. And it's human nature. Now, something that would have bothered me a little bothered me a little bit more. And something that would bother me a decent amount really made me go crazy. Because I remember at the show, there were things I was like, what the fuck? And it's like, what are you doing? And, you know, now that it's it ain't eight months later, and I don't know, I'm not senile yet, but it was only a couple months ago. But it's all relative. Like, we've gone past it. And I don't even remember what irritated me and what I didn't like on the show. Now, it could get brought up and somebody could talk about something. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a fucking shit fest. You know, unfortunately, people don't like to hear that. I'm like, hey, make sure you don't shit the fucking bed again like your last match. Oh, what do you mean? Well, what do I mean? Go watch the fucking tape. It was shitty. I'm not saying wrestler and you can't wrestle i have you on my shows for a reason but it was a shitty match you know especially the younger guys that a lot of them are bad at wanting to hear the truth sure yeah you know i was at training yesterday and we were talking about some stuff and it was demir and i was lambasting him again about what he did in Funny Bone match he had. And, you know, he cringes and it's like, uh, you know. But it's like, dude, you didn't do well. 
Your job's to move on. But you're going to be reminded and told what you didn't do well in. You know, you yeah. intimidated in that match. Like you were a deer in headlights. You don't look like that. I gave you that match because when I watch you train and I see you in doing practice matches, you seem like you're ready to roll. You have to translate that into the match setting. Because if you don't, there's other people that are going to jump you. So I'm giving you constructive criticism. I'm not trying to bury you. And that's the thing. A lot of these guys think that anytime somebody says something negative, it's they're trying to bury them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting, um, you know, to think about that. And, uh, you know, it gives us a, a lot to uh, – to think about as we uh, look at the 14th and uh, Fight Plus, of course. Uh, you can catch High Octane. Uh, 7 p.m. start? 7 p.m. Fight Plus. We're all set. I quadruple checked, you know, to make sure. But, you know, it's a combination show. We got, we got three champions defending, but we also have some – of the students who have progressed really well getting an opportunity to work on a high octane, which is a little bigger show than future shock. So, you know, Oliver Canada has been a gone for a bit. He, he got his, he, he came back. He got an opportunity at the last show. He's done well when he's gotten opportunities, but he's got to be around and now he's going to have a chance and he's going to wrestle Demir Morningstar, who's now going to wrestle a fellow, younger guy who next time we have one spot and they're the two options, my basis is going to be off how they performed at this show against each other. Sure. If one guy didn't do well and the other guy shined, there would be no reason for me to try to get the other guy on who didn't shine. Right. You know, in some cases, One's a baby face, one's a heel. You know, if you're trying to present something, yeah, uh, maybe you got to look elsewhere. But he has to go out there and produce. That's what it's about. You want to move up. You want to move up spots. You got to produce. I put Jimmy Jack in because, you know what? He's worked hard. People noticing. Let's give him a shot. And then he went out there, and the response was tremendous. And – he did what we needed him to do. So then he got a little bigger role and a little bigger role. And now you're specifically going out there. Hey, Jimmy Jack has now become a guy that if there's any opportunity, I'm going to try to make sure I can get him on the card. Again, I'm not going to get him on every card. But now he becomes a priority over somebody else who may have been a priority over him. You know, we got 40 guys. You know, there's a mental list like Jimmy Jack, Oliver Canada. There's one spot. It's Jimmy Jack. You know, eight months ago when Jimmy Jack had complications from the COVID and he wasn't really training, he wasn't even on the radar for a match. And Oliver was like, hey, here's a guy. He's working hard. He's selling tickets. We're getting him on Future Shock. And it wasn't even a thought for Jimmy Jack. But things right. changed because of the situations. Now, the other one was gone for a while, 
and he had to deal with some some things and now he's back so it's another guy that gets put into that list and it's like okay go, go out there be around the help oh you had a match today and then the show was over and i didn't see you because you bailed before the show ended who the fuck are you yeah you know I, i'm gonna have 10 spots in the rumble for younger guys but i might have 14 people that could be put into that spot right so now again i gotta pick and choose hey i got jeffrey excellence works hard doing well you know he won't be here i try to get him a match this show they're going to arizona and that was also the issue with the show was finding enough talent because having to move the date other people were already booked you know i saw sky high and jeffrey excellence they're going to arizona and izw is running so jacob austin young and and a decent amount of fsw guys are there and then there's something going on in california and a lot of people are booked there so <clears throat> it it's mixing and matching we we might only be going with seven matches on the show as of right now so yeah well it's definitely going to be something to check out um again you can come on down to the fsw arena and uh, check it out or check it out on Fight Plus. And uh, next, week we'll Plus. Talk, yep, next week we'll talk a little bit about what happened and uh, get a little bit more into the uh, upcoming Halloween show. So Yeah, see if there might be any new champions heading into uh, Luck of the Draw. I forget yeah. thinking, you know, against all odds all the time. Yeah, well... You'll be receiving the letter soon, so. Yes. Um, uh, Even if I think it, Impact's going to send me a message. Right, exactly. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Until next week, see you guys later.